Welcome to the edition of Anthony T's Horror and Wrestling Show. I'm Anthony T. As you can see, this episode is pretty much hijacked by Halloween Kills. As in this edition, I will be reviewing Halloween Kills at the end of the podcast. And I will be going into spoilers too, so... I will let you know beforehand, again, when I go into the review for Halloween Kills. But I will be talking about this film, quite frankly. And I do have a lot to say about this film. If that wasn't enough, my production company, Dumbhouse Productions, recently sent me synopsises for Halloween Ends. And they're very absurd. Which all has to do with the upcoming time jump for Halloween Ends. I don't even know why I got pitches for Halloween Ends. Because my company, Dumbhouse Productions, is not involved in any of the Halloween films. They may think they are, but we are not involved in any of the Halloween franchise at all. Hell, we can barely afford microphones at Dumbhouse Productions. I don't understand why people are sending me absurd pitches for Halloween ends, even though we are not going to do it. But I will read them out anyway because, well, because I think the four-year time jump between Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends, it's absurd. And quite frankly, dumb. Seriously. I understand maybe a time jump of a year or two. Four years to the present day for a slasher film? I don't get it. I really don't get it. So I will be reading those absurd pitches that I received for no apparent reason. As my production company is not happy with me giving them any time on this podcast. Well, basically, I haven't had time for Dumbhouse Productions. And now they send me absurd Pitches for Halloween ends when we don't even have the franchise. I don't get my fictitious production company. Seriously. But I will read them because, well, it's just as absurd as a four-year time jump from Halloween Kills to Halloween Ends. Then I will be chatting with Philip Perone from Doc Discussions Podcast as we will be talking about the upcoming Rhode Island Comic Con show that takes place November 5th through the 7th in Providence, Rhode Island at the Dunkin' Donut Center in Rhode Island Convention Center. All that plus... Why don't I just start with the Halloween Kills and Jason Blum's idea of opening the door for a Halloween 3 season of The Witch remake. With that, let's just start with the news. Expect the news to be completely dominated by Halloween Ends, Halloween Kills, and anything Halloween related. Because, let's just face it, this show is taken over by Halloween Kills. It's like the whole David Gordon Green Halloween trilogy has completely hijacked this podcast. Because every segment, including the Rhode Island Comic Con preview, has something to do with David Gordon Green's Halloween films. Seriously, I've never seen a film take up a whole podcast. Or a series of films, for that matter, take up a whole podcast episode of Anthony T's Horror and Wrestling Show, but that is just what happens here 
on this episode. Case in point. David Gordon Green recently did an interview with Collider.com talking about Halloween kills and Halloween ends. In that interview, he talks about the time jump from Halloween kills to Halloween ends. And it's a pretty long time jump. When I was thinking of a time jump, I think maybe a year or maybe, I don't know, a couple hours, but not four years. That's right. The next Halloween film and final film in David Gordon Green's Halloween trilogy is taking place four years after the original film. Are you kidding me? Seriously? We're going to have a long four-year time jump. Now, this is the one thing now I want to know in this time jump. What's Michael been up to for four years? Seriously. Because, quite frankly, you get to find out what's going on in Haddonsfield with the survivors of Halloween Kills four years after that film. But now I really want to know what's going to happen to Michael Myers for four years. What's Michael been up to for four years? Seriously. Because I think this is kind of ridiculous that Halloween Ends is taking a four-year time jump from the end of Halloween Kills. And you'll see next segment, I will go into even more uh, absurd time jump theories. Because quite frankly, this is absurd. A four-year time jump between Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends is just ridiculous. Seriously. Because we all know what happened to the survivors of Halloween Kills in this film. But basically, I want to know what happened to Michael Myers in between those four years. Because literally, I just don't get why they uh, decided to do a four-year time jump. Come on, David Gordon Green. Seriously. And in another interview talking about Halloween ends, David Gordon Green also talks about how the COVID-19 pandemic will play a role in the film. Huh? Seriously? This is getting way off topic from the first film. As you'll see in my review later, at the end of this podcast, this is getting way off from the original Halloween films. Seriously. It's like right now, adding everything that's happening in the news into these Halloween films. It's like, what happened to horror films being just fun to watch? Seriously. It's like, everybody's gonna add something from the news now. It's like, every other horror film nowadays skim to the point where, oh, we have to talk about this topic that happened in the news and that topic. What happened to horror films just being a fun time where you just, it's escapism. It's like, it's getting ridiculous here. Seriously. I will talk about it in my Halloween Kills review as it does have some elements of things going on currently in the world today, but this is ridiculous. Seriously. I am getting sick and tired of these news events bleeding into my horror films. I know artists have a voice, but sometimes when you're dealing with franchises such as Halloween... You're just there to see a film. And I just don't get why David Gordon Green has to bring in all these elements from the news into his Halloween films. Seriously. It just loses the fun aspect of what the franchise used to be. And it feels like it's getting to the point now where it just feels out of place for a Halloween film where you're bringing in elements 
a real life current event into the franchise. It just feels so out of place and it's not the Halloween films I used to watch. Seriously. I think it's getting way over the top here. They did this at Halloween Kills and David Gordon Green and the Rice are going to do this again with Halloween Ends. Bringing in real life news into the film. I just don't get it. Seriously. Maybe it works out. Maybe it doesn't. But I got a really bad feeling about Halloween Ends. Given the fact that it's going to have a four year time jump. And the COVID-19 pandemic being part of the story in one form or another. Collider.com also broke news that Halloween Kills Extended Cut will have a new ending when it hits Blu-ray. Says David Gordon Green. That's right. We're getting a new ending to Halloween Kills. Now, here's the thing here. There's going to be probably two versions of the film on Blu-ray. The theatrical version and the new extended cut. But here's the thing. I don't want to see a new ending to Halloween Kills. Already achieved with what you had with the ending to that film. Why do we need to see another ending to that film? Quite frankly. There's a little thing called alternate ending in the bonus features of your blu-ray that's where you put the alternate ending you do not need an extended cut of the film with a new ending please it's getting ridiculous here seriously i do not need to see a new ending of halloween kills what does that mean does the new ending of halloween kills is canon is the new how ending of halloween kills going to affect Halloween ends? I don't get why we need a new ending to Halloween Kills, quite frankly. Why include a new cut with a new ending? Because it's confusing me. Is this canon to the David Gordon Green Halloween trilogy or not? I just don't get why we need an extended cut of this film. You already have one cut of the film. That's all we need. We do not need 10 million cuts like Ridley Scott's Blade Runner. One cut is fine. If you want to direct this cut, that's fine. But I don't need this extended ending. Because it just confuses the viewer going into Halloween Ends, quite frankly. Because why do we need an extended ending? There's a place for that extended ending. It's called the bonus features on your Blu-ray. I don't need to see another cut of the film with a new ending. Quite frankly. I know Universal Home Entertainment loves to have extended cuts of films on Blu-ray. I've seen it with a couple of their other releases on Blu-ray. They have the theatrical cut and the extended cut. But we do not need an extended cut of Halloween Kills. Please. I just don't get these Hollywood companies sometimes. Especially Universal. Why do we need two cuts of a film for almost all their major releases? Seriously, makes no sense, but whatever. I'll probably see the extended edition anyway because I'm just curious, but I don't know how it's going to affect Halloween Ends or not, or was it even worth doing an extended edition in the first place? Because quite frankly, I think this is a Universal Studios call, and I don't need to see two versions of one film Universal Studios. One version is enough. In other Halloween-related news. Now, we're getting off Michael Myers here. And we're going to talk about Halloween 3C. 
season of The Witch. Because the most talked about topic on the podcast, Jason Blum, is now loving the idea of remaking Halloween 3 season of The Witch. Now, early in the year, Jason Blum shot down that idea. But he seems to have changed his mind. As he says he now loves the idea of maybe wanting to remake Halloween 3 Season of the Witch. Okay. Do we really need to see a remake of Season of the Witch? Don't get me wrong. Halloween Season of the Witch is a good film. I enjoyed it a lot. It was a lot better than I expected it to be. Because it doesn't have Michael Myers in it. But it's very good for a standalone film. But I don't know if we really need to remake Halloween 3 Season of the Witch, quite frankly. It's just like, it's good as is. It does not need to be remade, Jason Blum. Seriously. It really does not need to be remade and have the Blumhouse stamp on it. It's like, I don't get the idea why we're even talking about remaking Season of the Witch. It wasn't a popular Halloween film in the franchise. It has a cult following, but it wasn't that popular. It wasn't that popular to the point where the original producer of the Halloween franchise took the franchise back and did another Halloween film with Michael Myers. Now, don't get me wrong. I liked Halloween 3 Season of the Witch, but I really don't want to see a remake of this film. There's no need to remake this film, but I will accept a remake under one condition. As long as Tom Atkins is in the film. Do me! Sorry about that. If you're new to the podcast, I love Tom Atkins a lot. I think his role in Night of the Creeps is his best role. And I always love saying that line, throw me. So every time I bring up Tom Atkins on this podcast, that always comes out of my mouth. I cannot help that. I will accept the remake of Halloween 3 Season of the Witch if Tom Atkins is in the film. If he's not in the film, I do not want to see the film remade. There is no reason to remake Halloween 3. There is no reason to recast Tom Atkins' role in that film. It was perfect the way it was, and it should be left alone. We do not need to see another remake. Jason Blum, seriously, why don't we focus more on trying to make more original content instead of trying to remake franchises? With that, that's the news. Besides Anthony T's Horror Show, you can also listen to these other fine podcasts on the Doc Discussions Network. Doc Discussions, hosted by Philip Perrone and Michael Darwin. You Know Nothing, Jon Snow, a Game of Thrones podcast. Bullets, Brothels, and Bots, a Westworld podcast. Halloween Boutique, Psychotronic Reviews. And Searching for American Gods. You can find Doc Discussions on the web at www.docdiscussions.com. And Doc Discussions is also available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and Spotify. Welcome back. Recently on the Real Blend podcast, David Gordon Green gave an interview talking about Halloween Kills. And in the interview, he talks about plans for Halloween ends. He says that the film is going 
to involve a bit of a time jump. That's right. We're going to have a time jump after Halloween Kills. This is my first thoughts to this. WTF. Seriously? I don't know why you would do this, David Gordon Green. Seriously. Do a time jump. Why not? What's it going to be? A couple hours? A couple of weeks? A couple of months? Hell, could be a couple of years. It's neither, because at the beginning of the show, I told you that the next film, Halloween Ends, takes place four years after the first two films. So, it's definitely not a couple of years. This is such a very dumb idea. It's a very risky one, quite frankly, because all the momentum you build in Halloween Kills is going to get squashed with this time jump. Because when you do a time jump in a film or a TV series, everything gets slowed down. Now, I have not seen Halloween Kills at the time I'm recording this segment, so I am not giving away any spoilers for Halloween Kills in these scenarios, or I like to call absurd time jumps for Halloween Ends. That's right, my fake production company, Dumb House Productions, and I have come up with some absurd time jumps for the upcoming Halloween Ends film. Now, before I go into these absurd time jumps, there's no spoilers for Halloween Kills in it, because I run through a couple of scenarios with characters not involved in Halloween Ends. Case in point, I may have a scenario where I have... Jamie Lee Curtis's character in my plans, but the other two family members of the Strode family are dead. Or maybe the daughter and granddaughter. Or maybe none of the Strodes make it to Halloween ends in this absurd time jump plans, courtesy of, you guessed it, my production company, Dumb House Productions. They've sent me some time jumps. And I have to read them. That's right. I still have my motion picture company that doesn't film a thing. It's just audio only. But they sent me some nice, absurd pitches, including one of my own for Halloween Ends. First bad pitch for the time jump for Halloween Ends. Halloween Ends takes place on Christmas Eve. The Strokes are celebrating Christmas Eve. When Michael Myers decides to go on a killing spree wearing a Christmas hat and it's up to Laurie Strode to end Michael's reign of terror before he kills Santa Claus. That's right, Santa Claus is in this first pitch, everyone. The film features cameos from Peter Billingsley, who everyone knows played Ralphie in A Christmas Story, and former WWE Champion Bill Goldberg. From Santa's Slay. And as a bonus, stay tuned after the credits as Bill Goldberg fights James Jude Courtney in a steel cage. Okay? That's the first absurd and bad pitch for Halloween Ends. Okay, let's go to another one. Halloween Ends takes place on some random day where CTU agent John Bauer is dispatched to Haddonfield to hunt Michael Myers, who kills half of the town in Halloween Kills. 
He is aided by Laurie Strode to help find and kill Michael once and for all. The only problem is that he has 24 hours to do it. In the longest film in cinematic history, as this film takes place in a 24-hour span with many twists, turns, and betrayals. It's 24 meets Friday the 13th as the clock ticks. The film stars Kiefer Sullen and Jamie Lee Curtis. Sorry there, I had to get a 24 reference there. It's literally the second greatest TV show of all time, right behind Twin Peaks, of course. That's just the best. David Lynch rules. Okay, let's move to the third pitch. Halloween Ends takes place on the night of the prom, when Allison is getting ready for the biggest night of her life as its senior prom in Haddonfield High School. She's still reeling from the deaths of her mother and grandmother, but she's excited for a special night. But Michael Myers has resurfaced in Haddonfield, and this time he's out there to kill the remaining member of the Strode family. And anyone who stands in his way, well, you know what happens. As Michael is looking to kill off the Strode bloodline for good. Alright, that's another really absurd pitch. But this is what happens when you want to take a movie and do a time jump. You're going to get absurd pitches and something absurd might happen. And finally, this is probably the most absurd one of them all. Halloween Ends takes place in Haddonfield. Post-Halloween Kills where Michael takes out most of the town, including the Strode family. One year later, a group of film students travel to Haddonfield to document the remains of the town and interview the remaining survivors of Michael's rampage. When the filmmakers arrive at the Myers house with film cameras in hand, but it soon attracts Michael. As the film crew leaves the house, they realize the car tires are slashed and one of the filmmakers is missing. Now stuck in Haddonfield, they are forced up against this unspeakable evil as they try to stop him or die filming. This film also co-stars horror legend Robert England. Okay, this is very absurd. I know. But there's a point to what this is. I am not happy that Halloween Ends is going to be basically a time jump. And from the looks of it, this film can take place the day after Halloween. Literally. It could take place a week after Halloween. It could take place months after Halloween Kills. But David Gordon Green did the most absurd thing of them all by having a four-year time jump. What I'm saying here is, I don't think it's a good idea, a time jump for this series. I'm sorry, I don't believe that they should be doing a time jump. It should be one continuous story, and that's it. Sadly, we're getting a four-year time jump, and I really don't think any good's gonna come out of this four-year time jump, quite frankly. But I could be wrong. It could be great. It's just a bad feeling that I have that they are doing a time jump after Halloween Kills. It should be the night he came home, not 
the nights he came home. Hey guys, this is Steven Christina. I'm the founder, owner, creator, and host of Super Retro Throwback Reviews. Are you looking for the best movie reviews, music reviews, video game reviews, and Comic-Con coverage all around? Well then look no further. Definitely check out Super Retro Throwback Reviews on YouTube and our new audio podcast, the new and improved Super Retro Throwback Reviews Audio Files version 2.0 on the following media distributors. Podbean, Google Play, Stitchers, SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify. Every day there's a family struggling with hospital bills to care for their sick child who is fighting an illness. There's a woman who is fighting breast cancer and is having trouble making ends meet while paying for their treatment. And there are burn victims that are going through treatments to heal their deep wounds. There is a charity in the horror community that helps these people. Scares That Care is an organization that helps families deal with the bills for their child. They help women get the treatment they need to fight breast cancer. And they help people who are dealing with severe burns get the help they need to heal. Scares That Care is a 100% volunteer organization and 501c3 nonprofit charity that is dedicated to helping these people in fighting real monsters. To find out more information or to donate to Scares That Care, you can go to www.scaresthatcare.org. Every donation helps Scares That Care fight real monsters. Welcome back to Anthony T's Horror and Wrestling Show. I'm here with Philip Perron from Dr. Discussions podcast. How you doing today? Hey, uh, Anthony. Uh, thanks for having me and uh, doing all right. Now, before I get to the guests for Rhode Island Comic Con, which takes place November fifth through the seventh at the Dunkin' Donuts Center in Rhode Island Convention Center in Providence, Rhode Island, this event will be a mask mandated event, meaning masks have to be worn at all times at the convention. Proof of vaccination is not required. So it's basically showing up wearing a mask at all times. Now, this is a convention I usually go every year since it's basically right in my backyard. It usually brings a lot of big name guests. This year is no different as they've really got some really good guests for this upcoming Rhode Island Comic Con. And I figured we start off with the horror guests. Since uh, this is a horror and wrestling show, we'll start off with the horror guests, then wrestling guests. Then we'll get into some of the reunions that are happening at the convention. Starting off with horror guests, Tony Todd from Candyman. And he's also in the Flash TV series. James Jude Courtney from Halloween. Halloween Kills, and the upcoming Halloween Ends. They also have Chandler Riggs, Jeremy Pleco, and Ryan Hurst from The Walking Dead. They have Jackson Robert Scott from It and Lock and Key. Joe David Moore from Avatar and Hatchet. And Skeet Yurik and Matthew Lillard from Scream. This is pretty much a good lineup. It's always good to have these Especially people like Tony Todd and James Jude Courtney at conventions. 
As they really, I think, really did a good job bringing horror guests to Rhode Island Comic Con this year. As they seem to be more on the higher end of those films. What are your thoughts on the guests, Phil? All in all, it's interesting how they uh, present the guests on their website. Uh, they just pretty much alphabetical by first name. So all the guests, whether they're horror, wrestling, or various other genres, um, they're all mixed together. But the, the guest list is, is humongous. Uh, a lot of the guests are lesser um, guests or, or, or guests that are you know smaller folk, but, but they have a lot of big guests as well. And then also they have, like you said, Tony Todd and guests like that. Uh, if you missed them at prior conventions, in at least in the New England area, uh, you have another opportunity to uh, meet them in person. So uh, I'm I'm pretty impressed with the huge amount of uh, folks that they have for this convention. Yeah, and also Tony Todd will be doing a Candyman photo op at this convention as well, which is nice to see. That is pretty cool. You know, any anytime you can do a photo op, if if uh, that's that's your thing, it's definitely something to do. I, I haven't. Um, ever seen Tony Todd do a photo op before, so this this is uh, probably a, a big opportunity for, for folks who are going to this convention. Now let's move on to the wrestling guests, as there's a lot of big names this year around at Rhode Island Comic Con on the wrestling side, as they really are bringing in a lot of stars from All Elite Wrestling, which is, if you haven't listened to this podcast... You know how much I love All Elite Wrestling. They've got Adam Cole, Britt Baker, Ruby Soho, and Matt Hardy from AEW coming to Rhode Island Comic Con. They also have some other wrestling guests as well, including Braun Strowman, Francine, the Queen of Extreme, Bully Ray, Velvet Sky, JBL, and the Hockey Talk Man. They always seem to bring... A lot of wrestling guests at this convention. But I think this is probably their best lineup in terms of wrestling guests. Because they're really, I think, capitalizing on how hot AEW is right now. Which really helps the wrestling portion of the convention. I, I know you're not into wrestling, Phil, so we'll move on. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I have nothing against wrestling. I just haven't uh, followed it for a number of years. Um, I, I used to watch it a lot back uh in the day when I was younger, but uh, I think it's a smart move that they're bringing in the wrestlers because it uh, expands the, the audience of folks who will come, and it's a it's a big draw, uh, as we know, because uh, like you said, you, you do a wrestling podcast, uh, Neil Lemoy, uh, on Dark Discussions Network. He does a, a wrestling podcast, and uh, a lot of folks who are into entertainment and genre stuff, you know, would would be interested in, in wrestling as well. So it's a good move. I, th- I like it. Yeah, it's also a good move that they got AEW guests because originally AEW was supposed to have a pay-per-view that weekend, but they moved it a week due to UFC running a big card. So it was a re- very good get for Rhode Island Comic Con. As I visited a couple of... AEW stars at Terrificon, and they had good lines there, so I expect they're probably going to have some really good lines there, especially the fact that Adam Cole's going to be there, 
who's one of the hottest stars in wrestling right now, Britt Baker as well. I cannot wait to meet some of the wrestlers there at this convention. This convention, it has some major reunions going on here. We'll run down most of them. We're not going to go into all of them, as I'm not going to talk about anime, because I have no idea about anime at all. Philip, are you familiar with the film called The Warriors? Yep, uh, it's a 1970s film. I, I've never watched it, but I, I know it has a huge cult following, and a few of those guests uh, were, have been at other conventions I've been to, and I know it's a uh, it's, it's pretty pretty big film for genre fans. Now, Rhode Island Comic Con's bringing five of them for a reunion at the convention. They're bringing in Brian Taylor, David Harris, Dorsey Wright, Terry... Mitch Jose, if I pronounce it wrong, I apologize. And Thomas G. Waits. I've never seen The Warriors as well, but I've also heard that this film has such a very big following, especially on the con scene as well. The next reunion they're having is the Clerks reunion, and that's something I'm very excited for. Now, have you ever seen the film Clerks? Oh yeah, I've seen it uh, many times. They have, I think, one of the biggest clerks reunions that is happening this year. As they pretty much brought back pretty much everyone from the first film that's still alive. And a couple from Clerks 2. I'll read off the names. Brian O'Halloran, Jason Mewes, Jeff Anderson, Kevin Wiseman, Marilyn Giglotti. I apologize. Oh, no, uh, Marilyn Gigliotti. I am so, it's just such a hard last name to pronounce. It sure is. Scott Shafiro, Trevor Furman, and the man himself, Kevin Smith, who will be there Friday night only. That's just such an amazing lineup for a clerk's reunion. Yes, it is pretty, pretty huge. Uh, it's interesting that... Uh, Smith himself is only going to be there for the for the one night, but yeah, the other folks will be there, Halloran and Anderson and all the rest. So, Gigliotti, they, they were all you know some of the big stars in that film. So those folks will be there most of the the weekend. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah, this film to me basically made me fall in love with independent filmmaking because back in the nineties there was such a big boom of independent films. With Tarantino, Rodriguez, and Smith. This is a film that defines the 90s, in my opinion. Clerks. Uh, yeah, it was one of the big cult films of the day. Uh, right there with other cult films that were, were not necessarily comedies. Uh, but this one, because of its quirky dialogue and interesting characters, it fit right in there with you know the horror films or the... The thrillers or whatever that were all like popping up back in those days, you know, kind of like throwback midnight grindhouse film or uh, cult films, driving films, and and Clerks is perfect, and it, it stood out because it was more comedic than than the others. And it was also one of those rare films that was shot in black and white as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously, uh, back in those days, uh, digital wasn't wasn't as, as easy to uh, come by. Uh, you know, because it's, it's, the film's now pretty old, which is kind of crazy to think. But because of that, it was cheaper to, to film in, in black and white, and it it 
didn't hurt the, the outcome. The next reunion we're going to talk about is The Boys. Now, have you seen The Boys? Uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a pretty f- uh, big fan of the comic book. Uh, I, I followed the comic for a bit. And then I've seen season one. I have not seen season two, though. But yeah, yeah it's, it's a good show. And, now, and the comic book's even better. Now, tell everyone about The Boys. Uh, yeah, the, the, the show uh, changes it up a bit from the comic book uh, or the source material. But since we're talking about the show... Uh, it's basically superheroes are basically uh, work for for the, the the government, I guess. And unfortunately, as as we know, uh, the government itself can unfortunately be corrupt. And so uh, these superheroes are unfortunately corrupt. And then there's a group of vigilante folk, uh, also with some superpowers, that are basically trying to end this, I guess, government organization that has made superheroes basically kind of like gangsters. Now, coming to Rhode Island Comic Con for the boys, Castrine, uh, Dominique Maselgat. I apologize if I pronounce it wrong. Jean- oh, 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 that's Dominique McElligot. Yeah, she, she's, she's like one of my favorite characters because she's kind of disenfranchised the character that she plays on the show. You also have Giancarlo... Espedoza, who is the villain from Breaking Bad and The Mandalorian, which I'll talk about in a minute. Oh, you mean uh, Giancarlo Esposito? Esposito. He's also um, uh, now the the lead actor and character and the villain in uh, the Far Cry 6 video game, as a matter of fact. And they actually made a character in the the video game that looks exactly like him in real life. It's kind of... Uh, interesting. We also have Jesse T. Usher, the, uh, I believe, R&B singer turned actor. We have Karen Fukuhara, who was in the first Suicide Squad film. Las Alonzo and Tomer Capon. They really got a good big line up for that. They originally had Homelander too, but he canceled. Yeah, that's too bad. Uh, his character was is is one of the big big uh, stars of the show, and uh, obviously they not they don't have a lot of the big guns uh, from the show. The you know they, like the the big three or four leads, but uh, all those characters, or I should say, all those actors that you named, uh, play a large part in the ensemble cast in the television show. Okay, we're gonna move on to the Mandalorian, quite possibly one of the biggest shows on Disney Plus. In that, Cash Union's being headlined by Kyle Weathers, who's also been in films such as Rocky, Predator, and Happy Gilmore. Chris Bollett, Emily Swallows, who's also in Supernatural as well. Gianni Carlo Esposito, who we just mentioned. And Omid Atahai, who is also in American Gods as well. That's correct, yep. The Mandalorian, I think, has been one of the biggest things in the Star Wars universe. As literally has resurrected it after the failure of the last Star Wars film. Well, uh, I I have to say, I have not watched The Mandalorian, but I have watched uh, all the Star Wars films. And and I I would concur that the most recent Star Wars films uh, have been, uh, in my opinion, mediocre. Uh, except for Rogue One, I, I, I thought that one was pretty solid. But The Mandalorian, most people are saying, is the best thing from Star Wars since uh, the original 
three George Lucas films. So The Mandalorian almost certainly has uh, saved Star Wars from the disaster that some folks have have felt the the more recent films have been. It's worth the Disney Plus subscription. It's amazing how Disney Plus really has put out some really good shows besides that one. Well, I'll I'll tell you why. Uh, I mean, Apple Plus is now doing that, and and a bunch of other television shows are too. It's because they're... They're giant corporations. They just got the money, right? I mean, they can they can blow the money into you know really good quality things, and so uh, they're able to do it. So it's it is amazing though that, uh, like you said, uh, once one series wraps up, there's a new one that pops right back up right after it. So uh, they're always having something churning in the background uh, while we're watching the latest. In the Biggest reunion that uh, Rhode Island Comic Con is having this year is Cobra Kai, the Netflix series, as they are bringing some of the major characters from that show, as they're bringing Gianni DiCenzio, Jacob Bertrand, yep, Bertrand, yep, Jacob Bertrand, Martin Cove, of course, the legend Martin Cove, yep. from the original Karate Kid. Oh, he was in that. Uh, that pretty awesome film last year too. Uh, VFW. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's, uh, I think also, and I think the second Rambo film as well. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. You also have Mary Mauser, Peyton List, William Zabaka. Uh, William Zabaka. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Zapka. 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 William Zapka. Yeah. Yeah. Bear with us. Some of these names are just so hard to pronounce. In Exlo. Uh, actually, that's Xolo Maraduena. Thank you, Philip. It's just sometimes some of these names are so hard to pronounce. It's just it's no disrespect to anybody. Indeed, indeed. But it's just amazing how they're able to get this bigger reunion for this convention. I'm surprised they did not get Ralph Macchio. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Maybe well, some of these folks are obviously, um, and again, this is just speculation. I have no knowledge. But some folks, you know, still aren't uh, willing to, to, to go out because of the COVID, uh, whether they're vaxxed or not. I, I, like, I, as folks who follow me on Facebook and whatnot, I'm a, I'm a huge Taylor Swift fan. And uh, she still hasn't decided to go on tour because of the COVID. Other guests besides these reunions include C. Thomas Hall from, from Red Dawn. Red Dawn, that's right. The Outsiders. Yep, that's right. David Koshner. From Anchorman in the Office. Yep, he's he's he was also in uh, Cheap Thrills. That was a great film. Oh yeah, that's a very underrated film. Yeah, he was also in as uh, Zombies versus the Boy Scouts or, or the Boy Scouts Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse or whatever the name of that. Scouts Guide. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, he, he was he, he's great. He's great. And David I think he was also in Final Destination Five as well. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, that's right. He was. He, he actually absolutely was. Yep, he was the boss. You also have Debbie Dunning from Home Improvement, Freddie Prince Jr. from She's All That and Star Wars Rebels. Well, uh, also Freddie Prince Jr. Right, he was in uh, Scooby Doo's. Right, and he was in uh, I, I Know What You Did Last Summer. Right. Yeah, Gaden Matarazzo. Yep, Matarazzo. Matarazzo. <laughs> Yep. From, He's, Stranger, uh, from Things. Stranger Things. Yeah, that's right. Surprise is only like one guest from Stranger Things at this convention. Yeah, yeah. You thought there'd be a little more. Again, it could be. It could, it could be. You know, some folks. Uh, it's just not time for them yet. You know, or it's just they went in different direction. 
Keith Coogan from Adventures in Babysitting, Lou Ferrigno, the original uh, Incredible Hulk, Rachel Lee Cook from She's All That, and Josie and the Pussycats. Yeah, they're actually doing a a photo uh, thing with her and Tara Reid, because Tara Reid's going to be there, too. Yep, she's also there, too. I think they're gonna. They, they may do a photo op with uh, Home Improvement too, because Richard. Yeah, Kahn they are the, doing a Home. Yeah, Richard Kahn. Yes, I was gonna yeah. get to him. They are doing a duo photo op. There's a lot of photo ops. Right. You yeah, they can be just Scooby Doo photo op. I think. I think they, they got a Scream photo op. But but continue. I'm sorry to interrupt you. You have Clerks photo ops. You also have Rampage Jackson. You have Tyron Manning. From Orange is the New Black, Tom Arnold, and William Shatner from Star Trek, the original. Yep, that's true. And, and he uh, also went into space recently. He sure did. He sure did. Yep. yep, they're doing a photo op for him as well. Yeah, they're pretty much doing photo ops for almost everybody at right. this con. That's the one of the great things about this con is... Pretty much almost everybody has a photo op. Right, right. Oh, William Shatner also was in T.J. Hooker. He was in that show lasted for years. This may be one of your last chances to meet uh, William Shatner, too. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he is getting old. You know, he's he's still kicking pretty good. But eventually, um, you know, I mean, time takes us all. So it may be the last time. You you never know. So what are you looking forward to Rhode Island Comic Con for, Philip? Well, uh, actually, I think, the, the, believe it or not, uh, the thing that I, I enjoy the most about most conventions are the vendors. Um, I really do like the vendors. And I know you mentioned this anime there, and, and uh, I, I like some of the, the figurines that, that, that they sell. Uh, I also like um, that, that there's going to be you know DVDs and Blu-rays. I like picking that stuff up. I like you know stuff, stuff animals or stuff monsters or whatever because you know i get that stuff from my kids so so that's i think what i think i'm I'm looking forward the most even more so than the the guests that that they're they're bringing in you can also find a list of the vendors when they release the official show app as of this recording the app hasn't been released but eventually it'll be released it'll have all the list of the vendors all the lists of where everyone's going to be at. It's going to be a very good show, I think. And it's great to finally have Rhode Island Comic Con back after last year in the pandemic and everything. It's going to be a fun time. I can't wait to be there. And let me tell you, this is probably one of the craziest shows I go to every year. As this is usually... One of the biggest shows on the calendar every year for me. So this is going to be a very good show. I can guarantee. I got a feeling this year with the way they're bringing in all these guests. Well, they, I tell you one thing. Um, yeah, this, if, if if you didn't know COVID happened, right? I mean, just looking at this uh, convention guest list, it, it's as if we're, we're back in 2019 when when this convention was was bit the biggest show in New England. And it uh, looks like it's going to be again. Well, Philip, it's great to have you back on the podcast. Yep, and we're, we're going to be there, me and you, uh, as uh, in one more thing. Oh, press! I was going to yep. say that we were going to be there as press, so uh, folks want to 
pop around and, and meet us there. We'll, we'll be walking around, reviewing the, the convention and, and whatnot. So uh, both myself and you will be there. So Yeah, if you see me throwing money all over the place, you know where I'll be. <laughs> Indeed. And one more thing, just so I'll let you know, to keep up to date with all the latest cancellations and everything, you can go to ricomiccon.com. As there will probably be more cancellations between now and the show, there's usually a good amount of cancellations. I remember like one year when they had all the Walking Dead people canceled. It felt like they could have their own con. So keep in mind, the people that we mentioned on this episode may also cancel. So your best bet is to keep up to date at ricomiccon.com yeah well, and, and I, I want to say that that uh, that website uh, yeah it lists all the the guests and we, we, we only touched on a handful of them, a handful of them and there's there's cosplayers there there's uh, artists you know like comic book artists are all going to be there and and uh, the ones that that do the coloring tattoo artists are going to be there as, as you mentioned wrestling. Um, the celebrities from all different genres, and of course uh, the anime stuff uh, is going to be there as well. So, yeah, ricomiccon.com uh, lists everything, um, what, what's there, and all that. And I also forgot one thing: they're bringing movies to Rhode Island Comic Con. What's that? What, what That's the fictitious, the fictitious fast food joint in Clerks Two. Oh yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, yes, uh, movies pop up is coming to Ryland Comic Con, and uh, let's see, uh, fic- the fictional restaurant from Kevin Smith's movies will be coming to life for a limited engagement via the movies f- food stand. So that's pretty awesome. That'll be at the Omni Hotel. Yeah, right. Uh, selections with your selections of a main plus salt. Lick side, vegan and non-vegan options, beverages, side items, desserts uh, can all be purchased. For $20. Yes. Or right. $19.99. Right, right. I just like to round it up to $20. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because that's technically really what it is, yeah. Well, Phil, was nice having you back on the podcast. Yep, indeed. Thank and you we will be at Rhode Island Comic Con. Yes, we will. Amen. Well, hopefully everything goes well, and we'll we'll be there. And like I said, if anybody wants to stop in and say hi to us, we'll be walking around. I'll probably be walking around with my podcast T-shirt. There you go. Yep. So I'll be easy to spot. So have a good day, Philip. All right. Thanks a lot. They're coming to get you, Barbara. This is Carrie. This is Billy. This is Mr. Bo. And we are from a podcast from beneath. You can catch us every Wednesday wherever you find your favorite podcasts. You'll find Anthony T's Power and Wrestling Show on these social media platforms on Facebook, Instagram, and the Slasher app at Anthony T's Power and Wrestling, and on Twitter at Anthony T's Power. You'll find new episodes. On DocDiscussions.com, major podcast providers, and YouTube.
Welcome back. Now, before we get into my thoughts on Halloween Kills, I just want to let you know it's going to be dealing with spoilers. So once the tape intro starts playing, we are in spoiler territory for Halloween Kills. But first, I want to get a couple notes of the show taken care of. First, Anthony T's Horror and Wrestling Show has a new Facebook group where yours truly created a group to talk about various topics that are not covered on the podcast. Plus, not a group to engage with listeners of this podcast and everything. So definitely join the group over at Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash Anthony T's Horror Show. As this was basically set up well before the rebrand but i'm deciding to give it another go and this time be more serious about it so it's facebook.com slash groups slash anthony t's horror show please join the group and feel free to engage in any discussion of wrestling and horror in the group also next episode i will give you my thoughts on rhode island comic-con as I'll be talking about that, as the next episode will happen after Rhode Island Comic Con. I'm still working on a guest for next episode. But I do have some topics that I really want to talk about, too. Including maybe a wrestling topic, which had news break recently. So I may talk about that next episode as well. And over on the YouTube channel, I'm planning on doing a video soon. I'm most likely going to do it, but I'm... Thinking about doing a Black Friday VS video since VS has their big Black Friday sale. I figured I'll give a couple of recommendations on titles to pick up as I'll be starting production on that video very soon. Hopefully I'll complete it and have it up hopefully before Black Friday. Okay, since that's out of the way, why don't we get to my review of Halloween Kills, as I'm going to be talking spoilers about Halloween Kills in 3, 2, 1. What's Anthony T. watching? What did you think I'm watching? Seriously, this whole episode has been nothing but a hostile takeover by Jason Blum, Blumhouse Productions, David Gordon Green, and Halloween Kills. So it's fitting what Anthony T's watching is Halloween Kills. Now this is a film that I've been literally looking forward to since last year, but I couldn't see the film last year because the film... Unfortunately, it was delayed a year due to everything going on with the pandemic and everything. So, it's been a long, agonizing wait for Halloween Kills. As this is literally one of my most anticipated films of the year. So far, I had good success with anticipated films of 2021. The Stylus was a very good film. Spiral from the Book of Saw was a good film. And Halloween Kills was a good film, but... And I will talk about but in a minute, as I thought this was a very brutal entry into the Halloween franchise. As Quite frankly, I think this might be the most brutal entry in the franchise so far, as there are a lot of bloody deaths in this film. This film isn't lacking kill scenes, as there are plenty of them in this film. 
I thought the kill scenes in this film were good, added to the intensity. I also like how this film also really does a good job with the way it handles the backstory from the original film. As literally, I was surprised that I liked it a lot, considering that I knew in this film we were going to get a backstory to the first Halloween film. But I didn't think it was going to be that good. I thought it would be okay, but I like how... The screenplay written by David Gordon Green, Danny McBride, and Scott Teams does a very good job with bringing intensity to the film. Because a lot of the kill scenes in the film had a very good amount of intensity to them. And a very good amount of shock value. Which is, I thought, really makes this film good. Because there are some flaws in this screenplay, which I'll get to in a minute. I also like the fact that there is a nice surprise at the beginning of this film. As I'll spoil it right away. As we find out that Officer Hawkins didn't die in Halloween. I think they handled that very well. And I think how they also made him more a central part of the backstory. That takes place during the course of the film. As it really, I think, helps justifying the whole flashback scenes in the film. As those scenes could have been just throwaway scenes, but I like how they just focus on the Officer Hawkins character during those flashback scenes, as it really added more dimension to his character. As I thought, Officer Hawkins was dead, and that was it for him in the series, but... I like how they found a way to justify him surviving the first Halloween film. I also like how this they come up with some of the film's kill scenes in this film as they're just brutal and intense. It really helped with the action of this film. Now, here's the problem I have with the screenplay. Actually, a couple of problems, too. I felt like this whole mob mentality subplot was played... A little too over. I get that you're having the whole town trying to go after Michael Myers. But sometimes it really felt like the writers were trying to make some sort of statement with the whole mob mentality thing. And to me, I just really felt like it was a little too overkill. And also, I think the last third of the film was very rushed. This film felt like it had a beginning and a middle. And then it just rushes to the end. Just like that. And I think that was, I think, another problem I had with the screenplay. Don't get me wrong. I like this film. This is a good film. This is not top ten worthy. And that's most of it. Because the ending, I think, felt way too rushed. As is like we had to rush to the Myers house. In the last 30 minutes without any build or anything. Sure you had a scene earlier in the film at the Myers house. But it's just like it felt rushed. When you have a film that feels rushed. You spent way too much time doing something else. And I think that's where this whole middle of this film falls a little flat for me. Because literally... It spends way too much time at the hospital and has a subplot with a second escape patient, which really slows this film down and really 
amps up the mob mentality subplot. I think they could just done away with the second escape mental patient plotline because it just runs right into the mob mentality subplot and it really brings the film down a bit. I just wish the screenplay was a lot better. It was okay. It has enough intense action to keep my interest, but it's just too much time with subplots that I don't think we needed in this film. Maybe we could I could understand the mob mentality subplot, but I really did not think we needed a second mental escaped patient subplot. As that really bleeds into the first subplot with the mob mentality and literally to me, it just did not work. It just slowed down this film. I can understand the mob mentality of going after Michael Myers. Those scenes, I don't mind. But this whole thing with the second escape mental patient, I don't think was needed in this film, quite frankly. And another thing that I really did not like about the screenplay was the one thing I feared most going into this film when they started announcing that some of the returning cast from the original Halloween was going to be in this film, that they would kill them off. And sadly, my fears were true. Because that happened. And quite frankly, I just don't like that. Literally. I can understand killing maybe one or two characters from the original. Yes. But you killed off pretty much everyone except Kylie Richards' character who returned from the original Halloween. It just cheapens their involvement in the film, literally. You bring these actors in who played these iconic characters in the original film just to kill them off. I hate that. It's just a pet peeve of mine. I can understand killing one or two characters, but you kill literally four original characters from the original Halloween film in this film. I just don't get it. And yes, I'm counting also the deaths of Tommy Doyle and Lonnie Elms. I don't like it when you're bringing characters back from an original film just to kill them off. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. It just cheapens them. The direction by David Gordon Green was good. As always, he does a very good job with the way he directs the action scenes in this film. Like I said, the kill scenes are intense. He does a very good job making sure he gets the right performances he needs. As there are some really good performances in this film from Jamie Lee Curtis, Robert Longstreet, Anthony Michael Hall, and yes, Jim Cummings. The same actor-director who directed and acted in the great film The Wolf of Snow Hollow last year. I believe that was my top film of 2020. It's always nice to see Jim Cummings in a film. And definitely, especially in those flashback scenes. As the first 10 minutes of this film are just great. I wish the whole film was just like that, but what can you do? The film has an excellent score, as always, from John Carpenter, Cody Carpenter, and Daniel A. Davies. As the score, as usual, is very good. And is one of the highlights of this film. Definitely check that out. Also has a very good song at the end of the film too by Ghost Hunter's Moon. That really does fit the vibe of this film very well. Overall, Halloween Kills was a good film. 
I liked it, even though there were some flaws in this film. Notable flaws, obviously, because I was not thrilled with the mob mentality plotline, especially when it bleed into the escape mental patient plotline, as it literally, I think, slowed this film down, then headed to right to that rushed ending. As literally, I felt the last 20 minutes of this film was rushed, quite frankly. Out of five stars, I would probably give this film four stars. This film has great direction, great action, very good kill scenes, very intense moments, plus an excellent beginning and an excellent score. But this film could have been really something special, like 2018 Halloween. But sadly, it is not special. It's still a very good film. I still give it four out of five stars, as I really enjoy it. I will buy this film on Blu-ray. As I'm willing to see it again, even though it has now the extended ending, which I think is completely idiotic. I explained it earlier on this podcast why it's idiotic. Because let's face it, you're doing a trilogy of films. To add an extended ending to one of those films, it's just going to confuse people. Seriously. Because I don't know which version is going to be canon. The one I just saw... Or this extended ending. I don't get why we need an extended cut of this film. If they were going to do an extended ending, like I said before, they should just put it as an extra on the DVD and Blu-ray. Not as an extended cut. Because you are doing a trilogy of films. Not a singular film. I'm done talking about Halloween Kills on this episode. As Jason Blum... And Blumhouse Productions has successfully hijacked an episode to the point where every segment is about Halloween kills on this episode of this podcast. And probably doesn't stop here because probably next episode I'll probably be reviewing Paranormal Activity Next Up Kin in this segment. Ah, oh, Jason Blum. Always seems to hijack this podcast. Just happens. Just saying. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe to Amphitee's Horror and Wrestling Show on Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. I want to thank you again for listening to this episode. Have a good day. Support indie wrestling and support indie horror.